Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning as we continue in worship. You'd like to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. What a great morning to have communion as well. Amen. Okay. So a Christian woman said to her minister one morning, So what is your idea of consecration? Please tell me in a word. So holding out a blank sheet of paper, the pastor replied, It is to sign your name at the bottom of this blank sheet and to let God fill it in as he will. It was printed in a Baptist Challenge newspaper one week. A young woman went to her Scottish preacher and asked, how, should, how could she resolve her problem with desires that contradicted the will of God? I guess the ladies had questions this week, right? The minister wrote two words on a slip of paper. I really like this. Then he asked the woman to ponder the words for ten minutes cross out one of them and bring back the slip to him. The woman looked at the two words on the slip, no and Lord. It did not take her long to realize that if she said no, she could not say Lord. And if she wanted to call Christ Lord, she could not say no. Herein lies that secret of discerning God's will for our lives. We cannot know God's choice concerning the limitless options before us until we put ourselves unconditionally at his disposal. We must turn over all of our rights, this, this particular writer says. Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice is another way of saying yes, Lord, to any command. So once we settle the question of our yieldedness, we can take the second step which is to bring our behavior in line with the renewing of our minds. So this writer states, renewing occurs only when we pattern our thinking after the principles of God's word, not the prevailing ideas of the world around us. So this morning, you are not seeing the slide that says a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. There's a title this morning, um, and number one, number one, uh, if you're writing things down, just jot down living a surrendered life. Living a surrendered life. Listen to the Apostle Paul here. He says, I urge you, I beseech you, your Bible might say, I implore you. He says, it might say, I exhort you. The Apostle Paul is saying in very strong language, he says, I'm calling out to you. This is important. 
As a matter of fact, he says, therefore. He said, therefore, as a result of everything we've talked about in chapters 1 through 11, particularly chapters 1 through 8, this all about salvation and being a new man and not continuing in sin, knowing Jesus Christ as one's Lord and Savior. Yes, we're all sinners. Yes, we're all in need of salvation. Yes, our faith is only through Jesus Christ and no other. Now we're at peace with God because He justifies us. Paul says as a result of all of this theology, of all of everything I have taught you, therefore, so it's like you just heard all these chapters about our salvation in this letter. Paul says to the Roman believers, as a result of that, I urge you, I urge you, and in the Greek language, and in any language, but particularly the way it's worded here, there's three imperatives. An imperative is um, not a suggestion. Uh, it is not, um, well, maybe you ought to do this. No, an imperative is when your parents say, uh, you are going to school today. Or the alarm goes off at 6.30, uh, excuse me, sir, you are getting up and you will be at breakfast in 15 minutes. Uh, when my dad spoke, we knew he was not suggesting certain things to us. He was telling us something. It was an imperative. Paul has three imperatives in these two verses. And that's, um, and, and that's where we're starting today. And the first thing he's saying to the Roman believers is, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. It says present your bodies as a living. That's the first imperative. Present your bodies. To whom? Well, to God, of course. So I'm presenting. I am bringing myself alongside uh, uh, to someone. Um, we have this idea. We have this idea. This biblical idea of sacrifice concerns the way of approach to God. Finding acceptance before him by means of an acceptable substitute offered in place of the sinner bearing the curse of sin. Uh, Fred Zaspel at uh, the Gospel Coalition said it this way. So what does that mean? So if we talk a little bit about the Old Testament and, and Israel's relationship with God, right? We could go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Many believe the first sacrifice that was ever given was when God provided provided the animal skins for Adam and Eve to wear after they sinned. Why? They recognized their nakedness. They had sinned against God, and it makes perfect sense. Blood was shed uh, for the covering of sin. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us in Genesis chapter 3 all those details, but it does say God clothed them with the skins of an animal. So most often in the Old Testament, someone lost their life over a sacrifice, right? Um, the guilt offerings that the children of Israel would bring to the priest who would take them into the Holy of Holies, uh, well, the blood anyway, from these sacrifices uh, to cover their sins, to bring them before God and say, we want forgiveness, an offering would be presented 
on the altar during worship. Present your bodies. When the Israelites would present this offering, and they had many different kinds of offering, and we're not, we're not going to do a theology of Old Testament sacrifices this morning, but you think about Adam and Eve. You think about Cain and Abel, right? Um, you think about Noah in Genesis chapter 8. You think about Abraham, and what a type of, what a God kind of pulling the curtain back just a little bit. Abraham brings his son Isaac. Isaac has no idea what's going on. He brings him up to the mountain. He prepares the wood. He binds his son. He thought that God was going to have him sacrifice his son, Abraham and Sarah, the hundred-year-old couple who couldn't have children. God was going to call on them to sacrifice their son. And of course, you know what God did. God provided the ram in the thicket. But we have this idea then that these animals lost their lives. They went on the altar, whether a burnt offering, the blood went in. And so, but Paul here is saying, Paul here is saying, present your bodies a living sacrifice, right? So we have this oxymoron, right? These two things that don't necessarily um, go together. You know, I try to read more this week and just really prepare my own heart and um, it was really cool through a conversation. Um, Morgan shared her notes with me on Romans 12, 1 and 2. She had, and I, I did not know this, uh, when Kings Mountain was here, she and Pastor Jeff had done some Bible study, I guess, that week on Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I was reminded when I was reading um, uh, Morgan's notes that this idea of living is, is the word in the Greek language that is... It's different than just like um, your heart beating, I'm alive today, my lungs are working, I'm alive. It's a spiritual and divine life. The word in the Greek language is, is zoe. And it's this divine, eternal um, life that only God possesses. Therefore, if we possess it, it is only because God shares it with us, right? So we're being called to be this living sacrifice this living sacrifice uh, as a matter of fact I think of King David in the Old Testament right he sinned against God with Bathsheba I don't have to explain all that to y'all right we're, we're okay in church this morning and so he he committed adultery he sins and I, in Psalm 51 is a psalm of great repentance but I'm always aware of what David says in verses 16 and 17 of Psalm 51. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So we have this idea of sacrifice, and even King David knew I could bring a burnt offering, but what God really wants is my heart and my whole life and all of me. Look, the bull and the ram and the goat and the lamb, they didn't have a choice in the matter, right? They gave all, right? And the Israelites were supposed to bring their best of what they had to present to God. So he says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. This idea of being consecrated like the woman who asked the question. 
sign that blank sheet of paper at the bottom and let God fill it in. What does it mean to be holy? I am set apart for God's purposes. I am set apart, holy, consecrated. So, so this, this body of mine, everything about it belongs to God now. I won't go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, but you guys could jot that down if you're a note taker. And Paul again is talking to the Corinthians about um, who does my body belong to? Um, man, isn't that a hot topic today in our culture, right? Um, my body, my choice, right? Whether I'm going to be vaccinated. My body, my choice, whether or not I'm going to give birth to a baby. Well, I mean, I'm a man, but you guys are tracking with me, right? And, and But we know what God says. Amen? We know, we know what God says. God wants all of me. Um, so, here, um, I am presenting i am bringing my first fruits to god my best my all first corinthians 6 says your body your whole body belongs to jesus and everything you do with it we are reminded yes i'll take a breath we are reminded in romans chapter 6 man this is beautiful in the word of god why because we 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 studied this already Romans chapter 6 verse 13 Paul uses the same word here and do not go on presenting the members of your body presenting do y'all remember I know y'all don't like it when I sing and it's probably not a good idea but you remember be careful little feet where did you ever sing you guys didn't well we're doing that oh my goodness oh be careful little hands what you do the father up above he's looking down in love be careful little hands what you do be careful little eyes what you see same thing and you go through all your body parts because the father up above he's looking down in love so be careful little feet where you go oh my god we're gonna sing that y'all <laughs> but so this is what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 6 he says as instruments of unrighteousness but he uses the word again present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God amen verse 19 he said I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh oh my Paul wrote that for me maybe not for y'all but for me for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness so now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification y'all know i like that word right sanctification becoming holy that process of becoming more like jesus that is what you and i are doing when we present when we listen to the command of the word of god in romans 12 and present our bodies as a living sacrifice to god I want my body, the things I say and do, right, um, out in public where everyone can see me and in the privacy of my own home where none of y'all would get to see all my sinfulness, but God still does. Amen. So, so present your bodies this living sacrifice. Wow. I, I will say this, the word of God doesn't say this, but I think um, 
I don't think I'll get struck by lightning here today. You know what? For some of us, you may do that in the seriousness of your heart for the first time. You might walk down the aisle and say, I'm giving everything to Jesus. And you will remember that. You will grow and walk in victory. And then 10 years later, you might have to do it again. You know, I know I have. Uh, we use, we talk about these verses a lot in recovery, right? Um, I'm a person who has been or was addicted to cocaine and alcohol. I presented my body to Jesus and I begged him to heal me because I knew that that was not how he wanted me. He did not want me to be controlled by those things, but to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So God gave me the victory. I presented my body and my life to Jesus. And I've had the victory over that for many years. But then I come back again and I say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And, and, and I know in the scriptures here, the idea is we present our bodies as a living sacrifice and we never look back. I get it. That's right. That's what the scriptures are saying. But sometimes I, the sinner Charlie, must renew that commitment with the Lord. Amen. I hope you only do it one time and live to be 112 and never look back. Amen. But so, so we have this idea. We talked about being holy, set apart, consecrated. Why do you ask? Why should I do? Hey, listen, let's not, let's not miss this. Because of God's mercies towards me. Verse 1 says, because it is acceptable, but in the Greek language, it is well-pleasing to the Lord. So two reasons. Why should I present my body as a living sacrifice? Why? Because God has been so good to me. Amen. Listen, I woke up this morning. God has been good to me. I have, I have my health today, even though I, cel I celebrated a birthday Friday, and, and the numbers are rolling on up there, right? But, but I still have my health. Why? Because of God's mercies towards me. I'm a child of God, saved by grace. Why? Because of God's mercy towards me. So why do I present my body as a living sacrifice to God? Because God has been so good to me. Some of your Bibles might say his compassions towards me. So the bottom line is in salvation and in God's ongoing mercies and grace towards me every day of my life, that's why I should present my body as a living. Why? Because God has done so much for me. And then secondly, it's the only word that appears in both verses um, is this word acceptable. Listen, listen to the beauty of this. It is well pleasing to God. When you present your body to God, everything that you are, who you are, when I say body too, I'm talking about body, heart, mind, soul, everything, hands, feet, eyes, ears. Why? It's well pleasing to the Lord. Doesn't that sound good? And we're going to hear that again in verse 2. It is pleasing to the Lord. Don't I want my Lord, don't I want my Jesus to be pleased with me? Paul says it is acceptable. Acceptable is a cool word, but it really means acceptable is okay, but well-pleasing to the Lord. You can be well-pleasing to the Lord. Listen, he loves you. His mercy and grace towards you is not contingent on your behavior. But look, Paul is, let's not, you know, let's not get it twisted. Paul is three imperatives here. We're being commanded to do what? To become a living sacrifice. Every day, I need to wake up 
And if God calls me up onto that altar to sacrifice something, you know, some people said, um, well, I won't go there this morning, to climb back up on that altar every day sometimes. Sometimes what God's going to call you to do or to be, some days it's going to be tough. But guess what? It's well-pleasing to the Lord. It's worth it. It's uh, also God has been so gracious and merciful to me. I should get up every day and joyfully be, live out that lifestyle of being a living sacrifice. So it pleases God. He, Paul even gives us these two great reasons to do it, right? Because God's been so good to me and because it pleases God. Number two. So one, we said living a surrendered life. Number two, living carefully in the culture living carefully in the culture and do not be conformed to this world and the word there really is this age so whatever was going on in the roman culture and and you know there was lots of crazy stuff going on in rome just like it's going on in washington dc or baltimore or new york city y'all philadelphia too what the heck we'll get all four of them in there and you can go and you don't have to go to the city to do it either but look and the Romans, they did some whack stuff. Did I just say that? They did some crazy sinfulness. It, look, we didn't just create all the wickedness in the world, right? Every generation says it's worse than it used to be. But look, the Bible also says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. People are living in sin and doing things that um, do not please God and harm others. Uh, right not honoring God with their body look the Roman culture man, they were doing all kinds of cruddy stuff just like we do and why and let me tell you let me, this was my challenge this week I'm not a culture hater I was in youth ministry for 20 years and so I was keeping up with multiple generations of teenagers and so I would try to keep up with a little bit what's on TV what the youngins were listening to I'm slipping in my old age right I'm not keeping up like I used to but I wanted to know maybe what my kids were going through and the culture doesn't always hit you over the head and cause you to sin at least not in my case the culture is very subtle the culture works on you and me a little bit at a time nowadays I can have media in my ears and in my face all day long it's not just on it it's not it's no longer just five channels on TV that I have to get up and turn. Y'all don't know about that, do you? I, had, I was the remote. My dad would say, get up and change the channel. And you walk over to the TV and turn. And then TV was off after 11 o'clock news. At 12 o'clock, TV was off. There was nothing on TV till it's like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my gosh. Y'all are like, what did you do? But this media is in front of my eyes. It's in my car. It's on my phone. Right? Phone? I mean, you look, y'all, I remember the phones where you went, I, I have one. That's what was in our house when I was a child. But, huh? Well, no, the first one wasn't, yeah, you could have it hooked to the wall or sitting in a living room on a coffee table. But you weren't going too far with it, that's for sure. Mom and dad was going to hear whatever you were talking about on the phone. So, but the culture, it gets in a little bit at a time right and the education system I'm um, both of our children came all the way up through public school so I'm not a hater and it's not just public school by the way I went to Baptist high school and I corrupted the other kids at Baptist high school but th that's what the culture does it gets in 
through, and I just listed a few things, philosophies, right, philosophies, education, entertainment. This is the one that always gets me, because I'm just going to tell you, I watch some stuff on TV that I just shouldn't, right? Why? Because it dulls me, it desensitizes me to sinful things. All of a sudden, I might not be committing that sin in my life, but I'll pat that sin on the head instead of hating that sin, right? And if I really hate that sin, I'm going to care about the people who are getting caught away and caught up in it. But not if I'm patting that little sin on the head because I've been watching it on TV. And I'm guilty, y'all, I am. So entertainment, uh, pop culture, you know, I don't want to be the old guy that's always saying, oh, this, you know, this so-and-so, I won't even use names while I'm preaching this morning. This entertainer and that entertainer, you know what? They are no further away from God than the entertainers that I listened to 30 years ago. But the culture slips in. And we are desensitized to the sinfulness, our own sinfulness, and then desensitized to the sinfulness around us. So Paul's saying here in verse 2, don't let, and here's where I get this word conform, is really like to be shaped. Don't let the age, the current culture, don't let it shape you. So on the one hand, he says, be not conformed. That's the second imperative here. Living carefully in the culture. It's really easy, and I, it's happened to me. Just living out here, and it's my, and, and listen, watch this. It's not the culture's fault. The culture that doesn't know Jesus, right, is made up of people, right? The culture that doesn't know Jesus is just doing what they do, amen? If I'm caught up in it, I'm not doing what Jesus has called me. I'm not being who Jesus. So I'm not a culture hater, right? Um, but I do know that there are ungodly things in this culture that does not know Jesus. As a matter of fact, um, you would have seen on the slide, I wasn't going to read it, but it's John 17, 16. John 17, 16 says this. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus is saying, to God in his high priestly prayer, Lord, you gave me these. In other words, everyone that Jesus, all of Jesus' children, all of his babies, right? Jesus says, God, you gave me all these children. They are no longer of this world, even as I, Jesus speaking, am not of this world. We're encouraged through the word of God that we are to be in the world, but we are no longer of the world. So when we're called to be a holy sacrifice, I'm being called out of because I'm being called out of the culture, the age, and I'm being set aside for God's purposes and for God to use me now. And then if you're looking uh, for further study there, uh, 1, John, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Uh, I was just going to call them out to you, but 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why? For all that is in the world, the lust, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. So we're simply being taught here in 1 John and in the Gospel of John who we belong to and who we don't belong to. It says, don't love the things of the world. In other words, Charlie, don't get so attached to this, this, or this. Because, look, 
You're a short timer here. You don't belong to the world anymore. You belong to me now. I'm one of who Jesus was talking about in John 17 when he was talking to the Father. By the way, that's really the Lord's Prayer, y'all. That's Jesus talking to God. In John, I love John 17. Don't do it, Charlie. So, so living carefully in the culture is the second imperative here that Paul is talking about. I must be living carefully in the culture. Um, and then thirdly, living a new, changed, and different life. Living, notice these are all active. Why? Because Paul is using active verbs here when he's saying, I am urging you to do these three things. You are to start doing them now and don't stop doing them. So, I'm to be living a surrendered life. I'm to be living a surrendered life, right? I am then, um, yeah, losing my mind. That's what I'm doing. I'm living a surrendered life. I'm living carefully in the culture. And thirdly, I'm living a new, changed, and different life. I love the word transformation. Say, Pastor Charlie, why do you love the word transformation? Okay, nobody said it. Well, thank you. Because in the Greek language, you know what the word is? It's metamorphosis. It's when I used to, when I would teach this in my youth ministry, I would pull up a clip from the Transformer movie. I love Bumblebee, right? And when Bumblebee is changing, you know, from he's a Camaro, right? The yellow Camaro, and he's changing into this really cool, um, and he's a good guy, right? So and that's trans and he's called a transformer he changes from one thing completely into something else right and literally literally to be transformed the greek word is a metamorphosis and and so i'm like wow that's a tall order right well man, we know we can only do this in christ through the power of the holy spirit but what are we being called to we're being called here in verse two to a new way of thinking to a new way of thinking. Uh, Paul is saying something very similar to the Ephesians church in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. Listen to what he says. Uh, well, verse 23 is the verse. He says, And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which in the likeness of God has been created. So it's something new in righteousness and holiness of truth. He's calling out the Ephesians. He's saying, look, in reference to your former way of life, you lay aside the old self, which has been corrupted in accordance with the lust and deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewed in the spirit of your mind. Listen in Philippians 2.5, you know this. Um, Paul says to the Philippian church let this mind be in you your Bible might even say attitude this way of thinking let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus literally strive to have the mind of Christ Jesus gave and, and of course he's talking about that Jesus gave it all up he was obedient to God he was obedient to God's calling he knew that he too was going to be a sacrifice Amen. 
He knew that he was going to suffer. He knew his whole purpose for coming here was to suffer and die and be raised from the dead on our behalf. So, Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, Romans chapter 12 here, uh, verses 1 and 2, the third point here, I am living out, I am living a new, changed, and different lifestyle. It's a new way of thinking, and it is also a new way of behaving, right? It takes time. Um, I learned a little bit um, in recent years about cognitive behavioral therapy. And you can literally think your way into a new way of behaving. And don't ask me how I know these things. Uh, but so you can literally, and there are parts of your body that re literally, um, neurons and things in your body and nerves can respond to things that you do like meditation and thinking. And you can literally think your way now. It's therapy, right? You can think your way into healthier behaviors. But what God, what Paul is telling us here in the Word of God is that God is going to, along with your surrender life, God is going to do this for you. God is going to renew our minds. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Word of God is our text right and I know Christian psychologists who use cognitive behavioral therapy to help Christians overcome sinful behaviors and grow in their walk with Christ but really what it boils down to is it's almost um, well I, uh, I don't want to go there yet and so so just like the last uh, just like on number one we said well why why? Well, I mean, we should obey the Lord because we just trust Him and want to obey Him. But Paul gives us a couple of more good reasons in verse 2 about why we should understand, um, why we should do this. One, he says in verse 2, so that, so he's going to tell us why, you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So, so, I get an understanding of God's will. Listen, everyone says, God, what is your will for my life? And that's the wrong question. We're not supposed to ask that question. I would put it on a piece of paper and I have all the kids take markers and I would say, scratch out for my life. And they would scratch it out and they'd say, why? They'd say, because we're not calling on God to, if I read the word of God, if I obey God, and I spend more time praying, reading the Word of God, and living in obedience to the revealed will of God in His Word, I'm going to know what God's will for my life is. So it's not God, it's all about me. What is your will for my life? Say, Charlie, how did you become a pastor? You know, I really didn't work, maybe I was a little slow. I really didn't work all that out until I was about 35. But you know what? At age 22, I started obeying the Word of God more. Now I wanted to obey the word of God. I wanted to please the God who saved me. And maybe I was a little slow, but but so, and, and I get it, right? Well-meaning Christians, and maybe you, we've all asked the question, what is God's will for my life? I just want to know. So, well, Charlie, you know what? 99% of what you need to do is, and, and sometimes it doesn't sound, I went down and dedicated my life to the Lord at the end of a Sunday night service when I was 14 years old. And I said, Jesus, I they're playing, I surrender all, right? 
boo-hoo and crying. I went down the aisle. Praise Jesus. Everyone clap. I'm not going to lie. I like the attention, too. Everyone clap. And, but, you know, then I got this fear. I said, well, God, you know, I'll do anything except go to one of those God-forsaken countries where I could get eaten by a snake or stung by something that could blow me up and kill me. God, don't send me to one of them places. I don't want to go. Just don't make me a missionary to one of those God-forsaken places. So I wanted to put conditions on God's will, right? But I'll never forget, at 14, I, it was, to the best of my ability, um, I wanted my life to be a living sacrifice to God. I did. So, so understanding God's will. Jot down 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 5. I won't go there. But so Paul says in verse 2, so that you may prove or understand what the will of God is. Here's that word acceptable again. And so again we see it's well-pleasing to God. It's good, it's well-pleasing to God, and it's perfect. Um, now, perfect in the Bible can mean completion, it can mean maturity, and it can mean perfect. Here, uh, I'm not going to draw that conclusion for you because I am not certain. But when we talk about the good and acceptable and pleasing will of God, listen, I can live a surrendered life. I can um, not give in to the culture and then... I can live this changed life that is well-pleasing to the Lord. And then I'm also going to understand along the way, God's going to shine the light. He's going to reveal the next. God doesn't give you a map of your whole life, but what he often does is he just shows you, most often does, he shows you the next step in the journey. And that's where we, that's where we are surrendering our lives to, to trust the Lord. So here, again, so I had here for application, you ever hear the G-I-G-O? That was like an old acronym when computers were first, when computers were first um, coming out in the 80s. I know you're like, wow, really? And it was garbage in, garbage out. Computers only gonna be as effective uh, for you as the per, the per, what the person is putting into the computer, right? So the person's going to load the right programs and you're going to do the right thing and that way you'll get the desired result out of your computer. I think about the same thing when Paul talks about renewing my mind and not being conformed. Um, it's garbage in, garbage out. And man, I tell you, I was really convicted this week. I, I was and I still am being convicted about what I allow into my ears and my eyes and my home and my life. Garbage in, garbage out. And if we're going to live a surrendered life to Christ, some of that stuff, for me, some of that stuff has to go. Uh, I didn't have a pitcher of water up here. I was going to have a pitcher of water and then put this beautiful, clean water in the pitcher and then take one of my little um, Gatorade packets or iced tea packets and, and watch that beautiful, clean water just turn a whole different color. And that's what can happen to my mind in the world, that I get that stuff in there just a little bit at a time but it changes everything about the water in there. It messes up my mind. I need more of the Word of God in my life and less of the culture. And if that's not a fair word, we'll stick to the Bible, less of the world, less of this age, and more of the Word of God. I can't stick my head in the sand and ignore the culture. I have to engage the culture and engage the people of the culture because I want them to know Jesus, right? But there's a way to do it. So we talked about the computer, 
talk about our ears and our eyes and most significantly our hearts you know they talk about the eyes being a gateway to your heart right but Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 12 he said look this too will be pleasing to God well pleasing to God and for many it may be it may be a, a sin that just jumps out and you say man I'm having such a hard time pastor surrendering that sin I'm saying yeah I'm with you me too and yet I just really want to pray I want to forsake this sin and I want to give God all of it I don't want to hold anything back here in the dark recesses of the corner I want God to have all of me when you're up on that altar uh, like the nation of Israel and that animal was up on that altar everybody could see everything about that poor animal why because he was a living sacrifice of course he was getting ready to give it up right um, Jesus was on the cross and everyone could see him as he was suffering and dying on our behalf so you know what sometimes it's not fun sometimes it's not but so God might be calling you to just to give up that secret sin it might just be some of your time I'm not I'm trying to be careful not to suggest to you what God is saying to you right you're hearing the Word of God and you know you and the Holy Spirit knows you and so what is it that I need to to surrender and give to God today I ask myself and I know what it is for me and I ask myself those questions this week because sometimes they're tough questions am I going to be a living sacrifice Let's go to the Lord in prayer.